Earlier this week, a dear friend of mine sent me a poem. It's titled, Goofing Again, by Gary Snyder. Goofing again, I shifted weight the wrong way, flipping the plank end over, dumping me down in the bilge and splatting a gallon can of thick, sticky, dark red Italian deck paint over the fresh white bulkhead. Such a trifling move and such spectacular results. Now I have to paint the wall again and salvage only from it all a poem. My friend Emily added just two words by way of commentary on this poem. It's you! (laughs) With a great deal of exclamation marks. I haven't been here that long yet, and so what you may not know about me, friends, is that I have a rather spectacular ability to make messes. One moment, everything is calm and normal, and then the next, for no identifiable reason, there is coffee everywhere. And it's not just coffee, really any spillable liquid or breakable item will do. I don't quite know how it happens, but it seems to be an undeniable pattern at this point, these messes and my presence and involvement. There is something holy, though, about being known well by another and still loved. Sending this poem, I could tell that she was not laughing at my expense, but just sharing her delight in the surprising and messy predicaments I tend to create. And this poem has kept rattling around for me all week, lingering with me as this unlikely companion while I've pondered our readings. In the Gospel of Matthew today, we catch up with Jesus just as he's beginning his public ministry. We've skipped over his time in the wilderness, fending off the tempter, and he's now come to this area around the Sea of Galilee where he'll start his work. It's a familiar story. He meets these fishermen, and calls them, and they follow him. On one level, it's astonishing. In an instant, they are willing to drop their nets and leave their boats, their livelihoods, their families, their responsibilities, and follow him. It's a vision of the Spirit's disruption and of the follower's sacrifice a display of inspired commitment and self-denial. And I think that may all be true, these things we usually hear unpacking this story, and worth our consideration. But it was another verse that caught my attention this time, the way we hear Jesus calling them. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. 
For ages, it has been lifted up and wrestled with as a call to evangelism, a line that has been inspiring for some and deeply troubling for others. Yes, on the one hand, we're called to share out this good news as widely as we possibly can. And fishing? Fish don't want to be caught. At best, the net holds them in captivity. And at worst, it kills them. It's kind of a complicated model for evangelism, right? But maybe because I was still considering this poem with the way he celebrates whimsy rather than sweating the unexpected, the image in the gospel story shifted. Gary, this this painty mess on his boat, and these fishermen, maybe perplexed and yet jumping forward in response to Jesus' invitation. Hearing it again, I wondered, was that humor in Jesus' voice? I mean, what an invitation. It can be hard to hear these stories freshly, as familiar as they have become for many of us. But when we pause to consider the kind of evangelism that this verse has been used to encourage, rife with this not-so-subtle suggestion of coercion, of captivity, these violent means of conversion are are utterly at odds with the freedom and healing that Jesus proclaims and enacts again and again all through his work. So what if this invitation was meant to be funny? Or at least, what if it was meant to be lighthearted? Can it not be amusing and and still be a wholehearted call at the same time? Imagine it, if you will. Imagine casting giant nets, flinging them out, but for people. Can you conjure up the sight of all these folks climbing around up the web of ropes, swinging as they're being pulled behind a boat in some kind of ancient, slow-moving amusement ride? My point is, it's a little ridiculous, but maybe that's the point. These are serious fishermen he's calling, after all. They're part of a big family operation working in one of the few major industries in the area. Jesus is calling them to set that aside and step even more fully into themselves as they follow him. There's something about taking ourselves less seriously that frees us to be even more fully ourselves. Yes, following Jesus will require that they work hard. It's important that they have some business sense as they work out their common life together, that they mend and care for their things along the way, and they'll have to hold space for the humorous, learn how to be light-hearted together, Acknowledge that they are not meant to catch people, but to reach out to them, 
and love them and connect with them. Maybe this way is not just about sacrifice, but also about the surprise of joy. These fishermen are called as they are and called to continue being who they are, idiosyncrasies and foibles and all, and called to live that out while they follow this unusual new teacher. It's from this place of being deeply known as we are, not in spite of who we are, that God calls us to follow. And the reminders are all around, if we'll look for them. This truth came to me again in, in this poem this week, in this urging to, to try not to split myself, as if my energy and my clumsiness could ever be separated, but just to be fully in and trust that it is the whole person who God calls forward. Of course, this example of mine is on towards the absurd, but I believe this actually holds true for all these parts of ourselves, the, the elements we're not so sure about, the places that remain raw or fearful, unsure if, if that part is welcome. And this invitation is just as true for us as a congregation as it was for those individual fishermen. We, Church of the Resurrection, are called to live this way out, not by becoming someone or something else, some church that we are not, but by being fully and wonderfully ourselves. This gospel invites us to remember who we are, to discern how we are called to be most fully ourselves in this community, and then to live out that best version of ourselves that we can. So what are our gifts? What are our quirks? Where are we wrestling and striving all of these things, not just the ones that seem ideal, all are part of this call, part of what we offer as we make our way forward together. We're called not just into sacrifice, but into the wonder and delight of following this living God fully as we are.